Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth. We appreciate you so much and, of course, your prayers. And I'm so glad we've got a weekend coming up. Oh, Lord, what a crazy week. Uh, Let's open in prayer. Father, thank you for saving us. Thank you for choosing us to go and bear fruit and for uh, the privilege and responsibility of being an ambassador of Christ in this day and age, Lord. So many people are lost and hopeless, and they need the gospel. They need the truth. And so many people are fearful, and they need to know about you, the only true God, the living God, who promises salvation, redemption, a relationship with individuals, which is unheard of in world religions, and based on faith and not works. So we surrender to you today, new and afresh. We pray for wisdom We ask that you'd lead us, Holy Spirit, in this conversation and in all of our interactions and conversations today. Use us, Lord. Here we are. Send us to a lost and hurting and confused world that has redefined truth. We love you, Lord. We lift up this hour to you, and we pray that you'd be glorified, that people would be encouraged and challenged and reminded of the hope we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, so much to get to. Uh, let's jump right into it. I'm so thankful to have uh, Dr. Andy Woods back with us for a pastor's perspective. He is a teacher at Sugarland Bible Church in Texas, president of Schaefer Theological Seminary, and of course, founder of Andy Woods Ministries. He's got several great books. I'll just mention a few, The Coming Kingdom, The Falling Away. Uh, one of my favorites, not only because it's short, but because it's about the Middle East, called the Middle East Meltdown. But uh, check out his weekly Pastor's Point of View. He's doing another one today. I believe he does it every Friday afternoon. We'll put that link in today's podcast post. Pastor Andy, thank you for coming back on Stand Up for the Truth, brother. David, it's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for the time. My uh, first thought, if they can cancel Aunt Jemima, they can cancel anybody. <laughs> um, can you believe... Uh, what's going on in our culture, Andy? I think people have lost it. A lot of people have lost their ability to reason, to think critically, to use common sense. They're jumping. And here's our concern as uh, Christians. Fellow believers are jumping on secular bandwagons. They're getting into social justice activism and trying to look to the world for solutions and politics or policy. Not to say that some policies and some uh, laws don't need to be changed, but that's our concern, I think. When we see the church going down this road, what are your thoughts just on that topic? Well, I, I think people with an agenda have always wanted to use religious figures, you mm-hmm. know, to accomplish their agenda. And I think the communists, you know, had a term for it. They called them useful idiots. And a, a useful idiot is not a pejorative. You know, it has a historical meaning, but Mm -hmm. it's people that are sort of unwittingly, you know, being used for some agenda that they're not even aware of. And, you know, this whole cancel culture Mm -hmm. mindset, Black Lives Matter movement, I mean, it's all really, in my mind, connected to George Soros and Marxism. 
And so when evangelicals, supposedly in the name of Jesus Christ, start, start to parrot the same agenda through out-of-context Bible verses, you know, they're really, they're really doing the bidding without even realizing it of the prince and power of the air. And so it's a, it's a tragic thing to see happen. It is. It is. We need discernment, and people need to go back to the Word of God. Um, you know, last month when we had you on, we talked a little bit about Second Peter 3, conditions of the last days, globalists using the coronavirus uh, to usher in what the Bible predicts, uh, the Antichrist, one world government coming. Uh, also, we talked about the difference between mandatory vaccinations, the mark of the beast, so much we covered last month. But today, with the upheaval, that is happening now, the protests that many of which turned into rioting and looting and um, destruction of America having nothing to do with um, racial justice. But we have been in constant crisis mode, uh, Pastor Andy, that, to the point of many people fear, fatigue of all that's going on and wanting to stay home. And that's just what the enemy would want to just make people want to isolate to have our fears be played up. And, you know, the media is doing a really awful job. I mean, they're doing a good job when it comes to stoking fears, but they're doing an awful job when it comes to journalism. I want to talk to you a little bit about COVID-19 and just some of the things that have come out. It just doesn't make sense, the, our, our reaction, the, the governor's reaction sometimes. And I want to ask you about Texas in a minute. new article came out, a bombshell Penn State study, which shows 80 times more infections existing in March than the official count. More COVID-19 test, positive testings, infections, which means there were a lot more cases, which to me that says that's better news because if you put that in perspective and look at the percentage of uh, hospitalizations and the, the death rate, studies like this are actually good. What do you think? Well, I think um, in general, you know, government loves a crisis, and you know, if they don't have a crisis, they'll invent a crisis. Mm -hmm. I mean, we certainly see that with the whole climate change issue, where numbers are exaggerated, and so all of these statistics that are coming in, and believe me, I I don't think we should be unconcerned about COVID nineteen, but I think we have to look at all of these statistics with. Uh, a healthy, healthy dose of skepticism, understanding that government has a basic appetite to get bigger, and they never shrink. I think it was Ronald Reagan who said, you know, the closest thing to eternal life in this world, you know, is yet another government program. <laughs> they, they they never shrink, and they'll use this crisis or any other crisis to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, I'm always interested in, you know, they say COVID-19 deaths. I mean, are they talking about people that died uh, with COVID-19 or from COVID-19? Mm. I mean, th to me, those are two completely different wow. categories that sometimes get merged together. So I'm, I'm like you. I look at this the same way I look at so-called climate change with, um, you know, I'm concerned, but I, I want to look at it with a, I want to be a Berean and look at it with a healthy degree of skepticism, know, knowing what government's basic appetite is. Mm. Um, I do want to get to uh, just the Supreme Court's recent decisions, and uh, you had a very good, actually a two-part uh, video, the pastor's point of view on that. But uh, before we do, I want to ask you about Texas. And um, it's, it seems like these articles that come out 
it seems like we're getting so many conflicting messages, mixed messages. This one in this article says uh, from the Wall Street Journal, COVID-19 death rate is 75% lower in states that did not lock down. And this is in the Wall Street Journal. Um, what's happening in Texas? Because I know you didn't have the strict uh, restrictions that some of the blue states had. And so just give us an update on uh, where things are, where you're at in Texas. Well, we have um, an executive order through our governor, uh, Governor Abbott. And one of the things that I appreciated about what he said in his order is you can't, you know, throw people in jail, you know, for lack of social distancing or masks. And you remember that case that hit national news about the lady there in the Dallas area, you know, who simply wanted to go in and open up her I don't remember what it was, a beauty salon mm -hmm. or something of that nature. And she's actually jailed wow. <laughs> because of it for a few days. And this crazy judge that she was under out there basically demanded in court that she show proper contrition. Oof. And I, I've never what? seen that in a courtroom where, wow. you know, the goal is to show contrition. Uh, to society. And fortunately, Governor Abbott, you know, basically indicated that, okay, we're done with jailing people. But at the same time, you know, he's got a executive order in place related to masks, and he's sort of given it to the counties and the localities in terms of how they're going to carry that out. And the county that I'm in, Fort Bend County, you know, just got more restrictive in this area of masks and social distancing. But at the same time, the executive order, uh, from the county anyway, didn't cover local churches. So we're going to try to try to stay within the rules the best we can, but at the same time, if the executive order doesn't specifically have language that covers churches, you know, we're going we're gonna to try to meet um, as, the, as the God of the Bible tells us to. Mm and not, you know, get too, you know, hyper-concerned about everything. We do have some social distancing guidelines. We suggest that people coming to our church wear masks, but it's not required. And so that's kind of a brief summary of where we're at in Texas. Okay. Um, what do you think about uh, governors who, there's only been a few, I think, that have mandated, uh, I, I, from what I understand, I know that Virginia, was it Virginia? No, Washington State, um, that the entire state, everybody has to, you must wear a mask whenever you go out in public. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't like it. Um, and I guess there's a lot of reasons I don't like it. I don't like it because executive orders are basically governors making laws. And our constitutional system is very clear hmm. that governors are not hmm. there to make laws. Governors are there to enforce existing laws and it's actually the function of the legislature to make laws. And I think it was in the Federalist Papers number 47, I think it was James Madison, that said once you start to see a merger of the separation of powers, you know, once uh, the executive takes on legislative power or, you know, the Supreme Court we're going to talk about in a little bit, once the Supreme Court takes on legislative power, Madison basically said that that's the definition of tyranny. And so I'm, I'm bothered by lawmaking coming from the executive branch when that's not its basic constitutional function. I mean, there's other issues that I have with masks, but that one is the one that really, you know, bothers me mm -hmm. the most. 
All right, we are going to get to the cancel culture um, statues of Jesus coming down along with a lot of other statues, historical statues and monuments in America. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, it's one of the big topics today and uh, the direction we're going to take it to the Bible. Um, but one more question. Uh, Joe Biden said he would mandate uh, people, if he were elected president, that everybody would have to, the public would have to wear masks. Everybody would. And he said, and I just want to clarify something, he said, we know that masks make a gigantic difference. Now, Pastor Andy, I haven't seen research on that, conclusive research. I haven't seen a lot of studies on whether masks help or not. I know people with asthma have issues with masks. I know other people are concerned about breathing uh, their own you know, carbon dioxide. Um, so what are your thoughts on that as far as uh, that would be like the entire country? Well, I guess my thoughts on it are, you know, mask is you just change one uh, letter there in the word and you could make it sound, you could make it say mark. <laughs> mm. So to me, a mask <laughs> is a mark. Mm. And, you know, if we buy into this idea that we can't buy or sell, you know, without having a mask on, I mean, to me, that's preparatory for the mark of the beast system that one day will come to planet Earth. That's described in Revelation 13, verses 16 through 18, you know, that says no man can buy or sell unless he receives a mark, you know, on his right hand or his forehead. And so my thinking on it is all of these mandatory masks with limited scientific data mm -hmm. concerning whether they actually help or not, you know, is preparatory for the Antichrist rule, which is just on the horizon. So the whole thing bothers me from top to bottom. Uh, me as well. Uh, I think a lot of people who are really maybe more discerning are, are thinking, wow, this seems like they're wanting to see how much they can get away with or they're yeah. prepping us for something. But all right, to the big topic today, we opened up talking about Aunt Jemima and uh, the cancel culture and just some crazy stuff. Um, but Sean King is uh, a radical leader uh, in the Black Lives Matter movement. He's a social justice activist. He uh, unleashed a firestorm Monday on social media. It, apparently, it looks like he's giving marching orders to people to, to, for, so that they could tear down statues of Jesus Christ, saying that these statues are a gross form of white supremacy and must be taken down. Um, he says, I think the statues of the white European they claim is Jesus should also come down. They're a form of white supremacy, always have been. And then he's, he took it a step further and I think of uh, Nazi Germany and Kristallnacht, he said, all murals and stained glass windows of white Jesus and his European mother and their white friends, like the disciples and any others who represent Christianity, should also come down. He said it's racist propaganda. And who took a cue on this? Pastor Andy, of course, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. You know, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, they're tearing down statues out there in public. She gave orders to remove from the walls of the U.S. Capitol building portraits of former House speakers who served in the Confederacy. So help us understand. I could quote you, but I'll let you describe what's going on in this erasure of history. Well, to me, the idea that Jesus is a white oppressor, I mean, that right in and of itself to me is one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard. You know, obviously you're dealing with people that have never read the Bible. <laughs> um, you go to Matthew chapter 1, <clears throat> verses 1 through 18, you see very clearly the genealogy of Jesus. 
he's about as Jewish as they come. Excellent, yes. Link, linking his genealogy back to first David, you know, and then going back to Abraham. And so Jesus himself, as were the disciples, were actually members of a minority race. So I'm not exactly sure what he, what they're talking about. Maybe they're talking about the European rendition of Jesus, um, but certainly the Jesus of the Bible was in no way, shape, or form, you know, a white, you know, oppressor. And beyond that, why aren't these people that are so outspoken about statues and stained glass windows, how come they don't say a single word about mosques? Since, you know, very clearly uh, the history of Islam is, you know, riddled and, and littered with slavery. In fact, some, if you're really upset about slavery and racial injustice, why wouldn't you speak out against the Muslim nations that are employing, some of them, employing slavery right now? Thank you. You know, in the year, in the year yes. 2020. Yes. So, I don't know, I get the impression that the, the fellows that make these kind of statements really are not concerned about white oppression. What they're concerned about is using that issue very selectively, you know, to cancel uh, uh, the culture of mm -hmm. the United States that they disagree with, and they really see the, they really want replaced through a Marxist paradigm. And what also we're seeing, as you mentioned, uh, the minions, the useful idiots that would listen to someone like this, which is um, you know a radical leader, one of the many uh, leaders of this movement. I mean, you got the co-founder of Black Lives Matter coming right out and saying, we are trained Marxists. And in another uh, headline and article, I, I read about uh, what they said. They said, we want to take down President Trump. Whether it's in the election or before the election, he has to go now. So understand what's happening. They're just not, uh, they're gathering around the White House, um, around the, this, uh, I believe there's an Andrew Jackson statue there um, that they're threatening to remove. They're getting closer and closer. This is not some uh, mild uh, teenage, you know, or radical college students. This is, uh, it really is kind of an insurrection here. They want to rebellion. They really want to take over. It's about political power. And we've talked a lot about on this podcast, Andy, about the history and the organization of Black Lives Matter, what they really stand for. It's about power. It's about Marxism. It's about, um, Really, they're separating people into groups. Two of the groups are the oppressed and the oppressors. And so they're, and plus, they're all for the uh, LGBT movement. They're pro abortion. They're uh, against the patriarchy and, and all of these things. And I don't understand it when Christians can say, well, we still need to support the idea. And they don't differentiate between, of course, all lives matter, black lives, white lives, red lives, every life is created in the image of God. But what they're doing is say, hey, this is, this is a cultural moment where we have to march with them, like Joel Osteen did, and Mitch, Mitt Romney, and so many, and other pastors, they're locking arms with them. What are your concerns about the confusing message that might send? Well, I guess, you know, one of my biggest concerns is the Bible says <clears throat> very clearly, you know, in Second uh, Corinthians, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You know, mm -hmm. what fellowship has light with darkness? And Ephesians 5, I think it's around verse 11, says, have nothing to do with the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. 
So, you know, I guess there's a lack of understanding among some evangelicals that an issue can be exploited in a very selective manner mm. to achieve really another objective. You know, the objective here is not to get rid of racism right. or vestiges of racism. If that were the objective, they'd be tearing down statues of Charles Darwin, you know, who you know, said that the black race is not as highly evolved as the white race. And in fact, the full title of his book, you know, Preservation of the Favored Races, mm. you know, indicates his racist mindset. And they're not attacking uh, Margaret Sanger statues, Amen. who founded Planned Parenthood, you know, who basically started Planned Parenthood to reduce the population of the black race and actually made you know, speeches in front of the KKK, et cetera. So it's obvious that they're using the issue very selectively. Uh, and the reason they're so selective about it is, as one person told me, related to communism, the issue is never the issue. Mm. The issue is the revolution. In other words, how can this issue be selectively used to bring in the communist revolution? And I think evangelical pastors at some point need to wake up to that reality and not assign, you know, their ministries to, you know, that kind of agenda. Amen. We're with Pastor Andy Woods today, and when we come back after our break, we're going to talk about, uh, well, really responses to this cancel culture. Um, you've got a pastor's perspective coming up, or pastor's point of view coming up called Defacing the Nation, which is what young people are doing today, and many radicals, and I'm going to ask you to respond to someone who said, well, didn't God say, make no graven images like a white Jesus? But they're not only about the Jesus statues, they're taking down historical figures that are up in America. So we're going to ask you to explain some background on that from a biblical perspective when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is Pastor and Dr. Andy Woods of Sugarland Bible Church in Texas. We are now going to have him respond to a question that many of us might not know how to respond to when people say, well, we should tear down these statues uh, because God said, make no graven images. And so, Pastor Andy, please give us some biblical perspective on how to respond to that. Well, I mean, if, if, that, if that's their understanding of, you know, make no graven images in the Ten Commandments and the Decalogue, then God himself broke his own word. Because in the book of Joshua, <clears throat> chapter 4, hmm. verses 19 through 24, this was when the children of Israel you know, we're moving from the Transjordan uh, into the land of Israel, and God did that miracle there at the Jordan. Uh, essentially, when that miracle was performed and they got to Gilgal on the other side of the Jordan, God specifically told Joshua to take 12 stones and to set them up as a memorial. And then that same uh, paragraph gives the reasoning for it because one of these days your children are going to ask their fathers, what are these stones doing here? <laughs> and so, you know, that is your teaching moment where you can tell them what the Lord did uh, through the miracle at the Jordan. And then if you look at that paragraph very carefully, it says you can also use that as an opportunity to tell them what he did 
40 years later, uh, 40 years earlier, rather, at the uh, Red, miraculous Red Sea crossing that you find in the book of Exodus. Mm. And that passage goes on and says, in this way, all the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. So those monuments, uh, in this case, the 12 stones at Gilgal, had a really important purpose of maintaining the culture of Israel and passing down the knowledge of the culture from one generation to the next. And that actually becomes a big deal because the nation of Israel really wasn't faithful in that area because the book of Joshua is followed by the book of Judges. Mm. And you get to Judges chapter 2 and verse 10, and it says there arose a generation who knew not you know, what the Lord had done for the nation of Israel. And so I guess my point is monuments can be a powerful tool to transfer a knowledge of a culture from one generation to the next. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're up in arms and vandalizing and destroying, you know, all of these historical monuments, because their ambition is to cancel not just vestiges of slavery, but to cancel America itself. And, you know, even if you have a, a monument that still exists of someone that had slaves or owned slaves, you know, what's the problem of continuing on with that monument? Because it's a marker of the progress of our society. Hmm. You know, as you look at through the Bible, uh, you'll discover that history is never whitewashed. David's sin with Bathsheba and then adultery following into murder you know, that's never whitewashed for us in the Bible. Uh, it's not promoting those sins. It's simply saying it's using those as warnings or historical markers concerning don't go back to this. So history is a big deal in the Bible. And what these people are all about is erasing history. By yes. the way, they did that at the French Revolution, which was a revolution that was happening in France roughly the same time as our American Revolution. Uh, they were wanting to get rid of the seven-day week, because that was a reminder of the Bible. They wanted to get rid of wow. A.D., B.C., A.D. in the calendar, mm -hmm. year of our Lord, mm -hmm. and erase that and start it with either uh, year zero or year one. And, you know, this idea of erasing history, erasing monuments, I mean, that's nothing new. Every tin-pot dictator in human history has wanted to do that, because if you forget culture, I think it was Karl Marx that put it this way. He says, a people that don't know their culture or history are easily persuaded. Yes. So your mind just becomes opened up to a new uh, globalist or Marxist paradigm, and that's really what this is about. It's about canceling a knowledge of the United States, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because these people want to replace it with something what they think is better. My goodness, thank you for that. There's so many questions I have just to follow up on what you said, but I'll, I'll try to narrow it down. Uh, this generation of young adults generally has a hatred of America, or they, at least they think America is an evil country, um, and they have a disdain for America, but what you said was really important. They know far less about actual, true U.S. history than any other generation in our own, in the history of our nation. Um, this is why I think they can easily fall into this uh, camp of, 
Well, yeah, let's tear down the statues. But here's from a Christian maybe uh, taking it a step further, Pastor Andy, and just uh, maybe arguing with you, uh, thinking, well, okay, so I understand that Joshua, God told Joshua to set up uh, those memorial stones or a monument, but that was something that God did that he wanted to be remembered for. What about these just men, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, uh, uh, Christopher Columbus? These were just men. It's not what God did. It was what these men did. Aren't we still idolizing what they did? Well, it, it kind of depends on your interpretation of American history. <laughs> you know, his, what is history? History is his story. And there's a lot There's a lot of very good writers out there, you know, starting with uh, Peter Marshall. I think he was the former Senate chaplain, or his father was one of the two. But he wrote a book called The Light and the Glory, and he shows God's hand uh, is all over American history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you take your some of the great tours you can take today to Washington, D.C., uh, I was involved in a Christian heritage tour where I actually spoke as one of the co-teachers on the trip. We just took it a year ago. Uh, scripture and the hand of God is all over the monuments of Washington, D.C. So, you know, God didn't stop working just because the canon of Scripture closed. Uh, God was involved in the formation of our country. You go back to Christopher Columbus, who, who, you know, all I knew from history is in 1492, Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Mm -hmm. But there's actually a history there. He wrote a book called the Book of Prophecies, uh, where he believed that he was actually fulfilling prophecies in the book of Isaiah wow. about how, you know, the gospel was going to come to distant lands. And and so, you know, you can demonstrate these truths everywhere in American uh, history, not ever saying that we're a perfect society. There's sin there, just like there was sin in the nation of Israel. But, you know, this idea that, you know, God had nothing to do with the foundation of America, these are just works of men, these are just mere idols. That's a very shallow, it's a very superficial, it's very sad to me, interpretation of American history. And if that's what the youth of today believe, then we're in for a lot of, <laughs> we're in for a lot of trouble with these youngsters coming up because uh, they don't even know what God has done, just like the judges' generation didn't. Exactly. It just takes a generation, Pastor Andy. And I'm looking right now at a quote from William Bradford of Mm. Plymouth Plantation, and he said this, and, and it's so sad that kids today are not taught this history that's based on God, the Bible, the Christian faith. Here's what William Bradford said. Being thus arrived in a good harbor and brought safe to land, they fell upon their knees and blessed the God of heaven who had brought them over the vast and furious ocean and delivered them from all the perils and miseries thereof, again to set their feet on the firm and stable earth. Having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith and honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony. William Bradford. It, it just, for especially our parents and our grandparents, it must break their hearts to see that these things are no longer taught, 
that the intentions of this country, our founders, who they were. If you ask, I mean, you've seen, Andy, people go out with the man on the street interviews with a microphone or woman on the street, whoever it might be, a reporter just saying, hey, kids, what do you know about history? What do you know? Did you know this or what's your thought on that? They couldn't tell you who many of our presidents were, what they represented, what they stood for. They couldn't tell you about this true American history. And so when you lose that, it's easy now for them to fall into this. Well, yeah, we are we are a bad country of of old, uh, evil uh, white men who had slaves and all this. So, how do we get back? Well, we I don't believe the National Education Association and the public schools are redeemable. I really believe they are gone. Maybe I'm seeing it wrong. I would love to to hear your thoughts on how we get back to re-educating people with the truth. Yeah, well, I agree with you related to the public schools. Um, There's actually a book that was written in 1986 by a sociologist whose name was Paul Vitz, and he, the title of the book, if I remember it right, is uh, called Censorship, and the subtitle of it is uh, Evidence of bias in American textbooks or something along those lines. And his point was he went in and documented how references to America's founding fathers started to disappear, you know, from American textbooks, really beginning with the formation of the Department of Education under Jimmy Carter. In other words, once we had a Department of Education and education became federalized and standardized. Vitz demonstrates in this book, you know, how references to the Christian underpinnings of America uh, began to disappear. And you can also Mm. see this in some of the Washington tours and Washington monuments, Mm. the public tours, you know, the things they choose to emphasize, the things they choose to omit. And, um, you know, I'm of the persuasion that the public schools are, by and large, lost. Every conservative president, beginning with Ronald Reagan, vowed to get rid of the Department of Education, and they never have. In fact, the Department of Education at the federal level has grown Mm -hmm. astronomically in terms of its size. And so, you know, we've lost the battle with public education. Yes. So how do we reclaim it? I largely think it's up to moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas to diligently teach history you know, either to their children or to their grandchildren. And I also put a lot of the onus on the pastors. You know, pastors can teach this history from the pulpit. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a great time of the year to do it. (laughs) It's the 4th of July. Uh, I'm going to do on July 5th a a message on uh, 11 things that made America great, you know, delving heavily into uh, American history. And if pastors aren't going to do this, and grandmas and grandpas aren't going to do it, and they're delegating the task to the public schools, I mean, then that that means we've lost, and there's going to arise a generation, if it's not here already, that's oblivious to what God has done for this country. By the way, you talked about the man on the street interviews. Mm -hmm. Yes. I've seen some of those. So sad. A lot of those folks don't even know who Adolf Hitler was. Mm. Yeah. Now, you and I, are, I think we're basically the same age. When I was coming through the school system, Hitler was a big deal. Yeah. You know, everybody knew who Hitler was. Well, if you don't diligently teach what Hitler did, 
Um, and people don't know that there really was a Holocaust and a final solution, mm. then what's to prevent you from thinking, you know, when it happens again, what's to prevent you from spotting it, you know, as a problem if you don't have history as a background? So I'm with you. I'm very, very disturbed concerning what's happening to our country. Yes, we also knew the difference between uh, free market capitalism versus communism and socialism. We understood these things. We understood world history. Uh, Joseph Stalin, for one, said America is like a healthy body, and its resistance is threefold. It's patriotism, it's morality, and it's spiritual life. If we can undermine these three areas, America will collapse from within. Um, Pastor Andrew, you gave me a great—I'm preaching this weekend and next weekend, so I think I'm going to look into going that route and really teaching some of the um, the, the his, true Christian history of our country, because it's been lost, like you said, and it's hard for me. I just did an article um, last week on the anti-American education and the collapse of our culture, and my parents were teachers. My sisters were, were school teachers. My, my cousin, I had an uncle, and I have friends that had to get out of the education system because it is so hostile toward Christianity, toward conservatism, and it's so sad and so um, we're not saying there aren't right. some good teachers in education today. We're not saying there are not some Christian teachers in. But to send your kids into this, I mean, there, we've got curriculum now that are teaching LGBTQ history in a couple states, New Jersey, uh, Maryland, or something. A couple of those states, it's going to, more states across America, California and others, they will be teaching as part of history LGBTQ accomplishments, and they've already got a radicalized sex education, if you want to call it education, curriculum. So understand almost everything about the schools and the curriculums are, are going away from God, godlessness. And so I know I don't need to, I'm preaching to the choir here, but I just wanted to make that point again. Our listeners have heard me say many, many times, I come from a family of teachers. I don't like talking about this and telling the truth about the education system, but it's gone, and I would highly recommend you get your kids out of there. Not every school is the same. Not every school is agenda-driven, but teachers have their hands tied. Uh, Pastor Andy, when we come back, we wanted to talk about the Supreme Court decisions of late and your concerns. One of the things you said in a recent uh, pastor's point of view really uh, piqued my interest. You said, I'm paraphrasing, that most churches, pastors, or conservative, conservative organizations are treating the coronavirus and the division, the racial division, as the most serious issues right now, when in fact the Supreme Court's ruling goes against religious freedom and is probably the main thing that we should be talking about and we're not. More with Dr. Andy Woods when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We're with Pastor Andy Woods, and now we are going to talk about a very important uh, decision that came down, the ruling by the Supreme Court a week or two ago. Actually, they made a couple rulings, but um, uh, Pastor Andy, you said one in particular is going to affect us all, affecting churches, affecting uh, Christian businesses, religious freedom, and we've had issues already in the past um, because of the LGBT agenda. And they are not all agenda-driven, and they are not all hateful. Some of them just want to live and let live. But the ones that are making the loudest noise have the mouth of Hollywood. They have the, the megaphone of the media, 
and they're the ones that are going to come after Christians. Share a little bit about your concerns and, and how we are not, as Christians and churches, paying enough attention to that with everything else going on. Yeah, well, I think um, of all of the issues that are hot in the news right now, of, you know, whether it be the rioting or COVID-19 or Trump's reelection, you know, the fact of the matter is all of those issues will be goners, you know, within four years. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not exactly right on COVID-19. We'll have to see what happens. But I will put it this way. All of those issues have the potential, you know, of just being something that we remember from the past, mm-hmm. you know, four years from now. But this particular decision from the Supreme Court will still be here. You know, it's like a kind of a bad hacking cough, you know, that doesn't <laughs> doesn't go away. And basically the, the, the decision and the one I'm referring to is the one that came out last week, Monday, um, Bostock versus Clayton County. I mean, the bottom line to the whole thing is you've got two, two justices that we thought were conservatives that ended up not being conservatives. Ugh, awful. Uh, Gorsuch and Roberts sort of jumped ship, and they sided with the four uh, liberal voting bloc in the Supreme Court, and they created this 6-3 to three decision, and they took the Civil Rights Act of 1964, you know, which protects people rightfully from discrimination based on uh, what the law calls an immutable characteristic that they can't change about themselves. And we all agree that that was a good law, but they just took it and they rewrote it so that it would include sexual orientation and transgenderism. And they haven't been able to fix the law or change the law, I should say, properly through debate. They've been trying to do that for 45 years and uh, the legislature's never bought into that agenda. But now the Supreme Court comes along and just rewrites it. And Samuel Alito, in his dissent, writes a wonderful dissent, and he talks about you know, how the legislative function just got usurped by a six-member unelected committee. <laughs> and then he goes on in this dissent, and he talks about, here's what's coming to society. And he traces implications of this into bathroom and changing rooms, uh, women's sports, uh, housing, um, religious employment, (laughs) health care changes, freedom of speech. I mean, are you telling me that a Christian school or a Christian college that fires a cross-dresser you know, is suddenly going to find themselves going against the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And so the bottom line is this is big with a capital B. Mm -hmm. And it's very strange to me that most Christian organizations aren't focusing on this. Not at all. You know, the one guy that really came out aggressively against it was James Dobson, you know, to his credit. Yes. Most people really aren't focusing on it. They're focusing on the Black Panthers and rioting and COVID-19. Yet of all of the issues that have happened recently, this one is the big one. It is, and we already had things that the Democrats were working on in the House, um, the Equality Act, and it, yeah. that's, that's, that's named in such a way that makes it sound like, who wouldn't want equality? <laughs> but we're talking about affecting uh, you know, business owners, uh, health care providers, adoption and foster care agencies. Uh, but Andy, th- this decision you were talking about last week, how will, what's sad is if you have a daughter that's in 
junior high or high school and is participating in sports, guess what? You're going to have boys um, competing against them, and you can't say a thing. Is that right? Well, that's exactly right, and it denies nature. Mm. Um, 1 Peter 3 and verse 7 talks about the female or the wife being the weaker vessel or someone weaker. Now, that doesn't mean that she's inferior to the husband. She bears God's image just like he does. They're both going to the same heaven if they're a believing couple. It doesn't mean she's less intelligent than him. It it just means, and I, there's always exceptions to the rule, but you know, nine times out of ten, a woman will be reduced to tears faster than a man. And, you know, if you have an all-male football team and uh, an all-female football team, I think nine times out of ten, the men are going to beat the women. And men are just uh, biologically stronger than women. And so, you know, what do you do now with, um, uh, uh, like, girls' soccer girls' basketball, any type of contact sport where all of a sudden a man through transgenderism that day thinks he's a woman and wants to compete with the women, Um, not only does that give he or she or whatever we're dealing with here uh, a significant advantage on the athletic field, but now you've got a situation where someone can get hurt physically. And, you know, this decision, among many other things, just opens the door to this denial of nature and the denial of the obvious and denial of how God has created them, male and female, as as different. And what they couldn't get passed through the Equality Act, they got passed through judicial fiat. And so (laughs) this is the brave new world in which we find ourselves. And this is interesting. It kind of comes full circle here in a way because part of the Black Lives Matter agenda goes against uh, white males, uh, men in authority and, uh, you know, patriarchy and other things. And my goodness, Christians, like you said, Christ is the head of the man. The man is the head of the woman. Of course, God is our ultimate uh, father in heaven. But Christ is the head of the church, and we have an, uh, an authoritative structure as Christians to follow. It's not demeaning. It's there for a reason. It's there for our own good. But yet society is teaching that uh, men in authority are not good. Women should be in authority. And I think of, you know, the, what was it, the movie The Shack with the, the, the God was a, a black woman? And these ideas, these ideas are being passed down, and we've been kind of softened to this idea that, yeah, women need to be in leadership. And I've heard a couple good, solid pastors say that's one of the problems of the Christian church today is women pastors and teachers teaching the Word of God. We're, We're going, okay, they can teach, they can mentor, they can teach Bible studies. I know I'm getting a little bit of off track, but I did bring up the fact that Black Lives Matter is against men in authority, and that's one of their things, wokeness, right? And so I would love to get your thoughts on how this all comes into play with um, what the Bible teaches. We're just kind of going in the opposite direction as a culture and as a country. Yeah, and, and eventually, you know, even though Gorsuch tried to give some wiggle room to churches, uh, in his uh, majority opinion, I mean, eventually we all know where this is going. I mean, this is going into a church, uh, into a pulpit of a church, 
you know, concerning a church that won't put a woman behind the pulpit. And the fact of the matter is women have a tremendous role to play in Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, women are all over the Bible, yes. know, being used by God in all kinds of <laughs> different ways. But at the same time, God has put a gender restriction on certain offices in the church, like elders. You know, an elder is to be a husband of one wife. First Timothy chapter mm-hmm. three, verses one through seven. To me, it's hard for a woman to be the husband of one wife. You know, maybe <laughs> not. You know, this day, yeah. this day and age. And when you get into First Timothy chapter two, around verses twelve and eleven through fourteen. It's very clear that, you know, a woman is not to be behind the pulpit in terms of a pastor-teacher of a flock, and Paul actually anchors his case there in original creation. So there's something within the woman. It's, it's the, the why is debated, but there's something within the woman that makes her more vulnerable to deception in, if she were in that particular office. And I don't know if we have to know the why. It's just this is what God says. Mm-hmm. And so all of that now is is eradicated. You now find yourself going against the force of law, you know, simply for wanting to honor the basic gender distinctions that you find not just in the Bible but in nature and, and common sense. And so, you know, here we are in 2020 America. Yes, the Supreme Court um, reigning supreme, and we have to be reminded But we have changed because public opinion changes. Pastor Andy, we've seen it based on Supreme Court decisions. I think we're pretty much split on abortion now. That was 1973 when a majority, an overwhelming majority of Americans said abortion was wrong and it should be illegal. Then, of course, 2015, uh, same-sex marriage, the, the majority. I mean, there were, I don't know, I think 40 states in America that had laws protecting marriage between one man and one woman. In fact, they were, they were called bans on same-sex marriage, and then the Supreme Court struck that down, and now public opinion in just five years has shifted where a majority supports same-sex marriage. So what is, what is, quote, legal does not necessarily mean it's biblical or moral. Um, Pastor Andy, your final thoughts. Well, the Lord says in Psalm 119, that his word in heaven is eternally settled. (laughs) In other words, God's uh, vantage point on life as the creator is a settled reality. And, you know, it doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says or doesn't say. God doesn't need a vote from the Supreme Court. And the way legal system used to be set up in this country, according to Blackstone's commentaries on the law, you know, going back to the 16th, 17th centuries, is that the judicial system was supposed to look at what the Creator had revealed in nature and in revelation, in what we call general revelation, nature, and in Scripture. And they were supposed to pass laws that cooperated with what God had already disclosed. Now, we have a judicial system that's doing the opposite. They don't care what God says um, in his word or in general revelation, and they're passing laws and making decisions independent of what God said, and they're actually going against what God has said. And so we have a judicial system that's you know, no longer operating the way it's supposed to operate, no, no longer operating under the Blackstone you know, mentality. What it, this is called, actually, is what is taught 
in the law schools called legal positivism, where society is sort of evolving upward, hmm. and it's the function of the judiciary to remorph the Constitution to keep up with society's upward trajectory. Wow. And that's the, that's the mindset of these people. Yeah. And what you have then is uh, basically a Supreme Court that's no longer accountable to the American people. Hmm. You know, they're no longer... Uh, interpreting law, they're they're making law. And so it's been a problem for a long time, and it's really come, you know, been compounded with this latest Supreme Court decision, which I believe is the worst decision we've had from that court since Roe versus Wade. Wow. Both of them are just as bad, but, you know, anyway, those are my thoughts on it. Thank you. Thank you. And if you want to catch Pastor Andy Woods and his pastor's point of view, what time? Is is it on uh, YouTube and Facebook Live, Pastor Andy? Yeah, if people go, want to watch it live, we broadcast it from my ministry page, Andy Woods Ministries, and then from there we put it up immediately onto YouTube. And so if people go to my you know, YouTube channel, uh, which, by the way, is free, it's a free <laughs> subscription if you're interested in it, just type in Andy Woods and Pastor's point of view into your YouTube search engine, and it should pop right up. Uh, We have a playlist there called Pastor's Point of View, and so what we talk about today will be uploaded there, you know, right after we do it live on Facebook. We will put that link in today's podcast at StandUpForTheTruth.com, and uh, is it called Defacing the Nation, or have you uh, thought about a different title? No, I asked my wife, I said, here's what we're going to talk about, and she's very good at... um, titles and marketing, and she said, well, why don't you call it Defacing the Nation? And I said, that's perfect. All right. So that's what it's going to be called today. Andy, thanks for spending time with us again. God bless you. Have a good weekend, and uh, we'll stay in touch, brother. Keep the faith, as always. Uh, Absolutely, David. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, when we come back, we'll share with you our guests from next week. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up for the Truth. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Monday, Pastor Randy White will be with us. Never a dull moment and never a shortage of things to discuss and get his take on. Also, Tuesday, former transgender Laura Perry will be back with an update and, I believe, a film she's working on, her documentary, We'll talk to them uh, next week. And so uh, we're thankful for you guys. We appreciate you as always. Have a great weekend. God bless you. And always keep speaking the truth about things that matter.